it, are you asking me if I want to be like a, a furry sign spinner for your booth at Gen Well, so that so don't get ahead of yourself. How do you feel about? <laughs> you should be so lucky, is what he's already saying. Nope, it's worse. Uh, how do you feel about sandwich boards? Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Master Troy Sandlin and the Dwarven DM, John Christian. How's it going, everybody? I, I'm I'm still I'm still uh, kind of speechless from our pre-show chat. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to I don't know what to say. I was trying to norm it out, man. You're trying to norm it out. Yeah, I probably I should have yodeled or something. Ooh. A a yodeling purple ape. You're getting some, yeah. Only if you've got later hosen. In later I'll put uh, it on that actually. I'll put it on that. I'll put in the money necessary to give that ape some uh some, some later hosen. That sounds good to me. Absolutely. Yep. Uh so we're gonna talk about some news. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic segue. Thank yes. you. <laughs> That's right. Pedal um, faster, then, man. Pedal faster. We're going to kick John out uh, afterwards, uh, and Good Troy ones. and I are going to finish up Van Richten's uh, for realsies this time. For realsies. Yeah. <clears throat> Not gonna John's going to miss all our talk of, of horror and dread and um, all that. You don't need me around for that. Well, yeah. he's not going to miss all of it, considering what we talked about before we started recording. Oh, well, yeah, I got some of the horror. horror yeah, yeah, he got a lot of horror. <laughs> Wasn't that body horror? And that, body that's, horror. that's one of the genres, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, is, is it body shaming horror? Um, well, I'm, I'm plenty ashamed of my body, and I can be ashamed for yours, too. Furry, furry mm. horror, maybe? I don't know. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of shame and body horror, John, your Kickstarter today <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> yes, fat magic. La- yes, fat magic. Zach is trying so hard to keep us on task here. I love I'm it. getting us there. I'm All right, working. so look, I've got a single news item, but I, I really, I can't say that I love it. I don't. It's, it's just really, really interesting. Uh, oh, it, whenever it, I saw it, I, I to had to. I mean, look, I'm not saying that I don't. What I'm saying is, it's just I had to bring it up because it's so friggin' interesting. This okay, so it is. Fat magic is a five E campaign setting. Uh, in a world saturated by delicious and dangerous magic food, packed with 250 pages of terrible food puns, off-the-wall culinary adventure, and more kissable hotties. I'm not sure how that trans... That's fine. Then you can shake a carbonated beverage, Jad. That's a selling point. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, look, it's, um, it is uh, 5E centered around food. And they've got a 51-page uh, excerpt from from the product that is re- actually pretty cool like uh, they've got um Boulia base is the name of the region it's a hodgepodge of geographical oddities surreal culinary infused uh terrain donut mountains all that good stuff um there's actual the, everything is centered around food though they got uh, subclasses that are based on uh on foods like uh what was one of them? the 
the uh, bar the barbarian one. Let me see. Uh, let me the fast. cold brute barista. There you go. The cold brute barista. Yep, that was one of them. Celebrity um, chef warlock. Yeah, the uh, the they had the free living food 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 truck folk is one of their uh, one of the the peoples that are there. The whole thing is centered around food, and it's you know what? Look, the, the, I think the reason why I, the thing about it that I do love is how much fun they're trying to have with it, and I think it's yeah. great, and I think that there's a place for it, just like anywhere else. Um, I I'm, I'm gonna have to. This thing is 51 pages long. Just their little. The sampler that they've got out there. There's a lot to dig into. I did uh-huh. not have time to go through the whole thing, but there's a lot of really there's good stuff in here, and I think I need to I need to spend some more time with it to to give it the old college try. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. the The artwork is exactly what you would think it would be based on this. It's very cartoon diners. animated. Yeah. It's fun, you know. It's, yeah, diners, drive-ins, and dives kind of a vibe to it. Yep. I really like the one the art by Sam McInnes that's in here. Of um, the a wand is actually looks like a, a stirring spoon, uh, while mm-hmm. uh, one of the characters is reading from a a book of soup spells and casting spells in the sky with food raining down like a la um, what is it the uh, cloudy with the chance of meatballs mm-hmm. uh, cartoon or animated thing. Look, it, it, the price point's reasonable. We're talking about fifty bucks for a two hundred and fifty uh, page book that tracks with pretty much everything else that's out there. It even comes with stickers. That's nice. If they're scratch and sniff stickers, I am oh, sold. They, they, they have done that. And if they're not, it is a missed opportunity. Uh, I think that at the very least, I will send a a, a kind and loving nudge to uh, to uh, S. C. Ormond, who's the guy that's the, the writer for it, and let him know that uh, that he needs to do that for the world. Honestly, yeah, there need I to be more so. uh, scratch and sniff stickers out there. there I miss that be. from being a kid. There needs to be. Yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's cool. What do you guys think about it? I know you've you've already had a chance to, uh, to take a look at it too. Who who doesn't like a good sword and sorcery romp? I mean, the puns. The, the, the puns. puns. Now, what what fork and sorcery? Yeah, well, is that is that too far to not well, know what what we're saying? I mean, it says right here, sword and sorcery. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think this is a cool idea. I think that <laughs> they probably would agree with this statement. I kind of feel like it's almost a bridge too far. Mm. Not in the pitch, but in the product. Like, I think this would be really fun for a one-shot or a weekend game or something like that. I don't know that I need a 250-page supplement for it, right? Well, you, you I would know. love to get, like, a zine or a little, like, soft cover you know, 50-page pitch. I'm not saying there's probably more people that disagree with me than would agree, but I feel like it's doubtful that I'll ever run a campaign of this, but I, I could see myself running a, a one-shot. Oh, definitely. I I think of this like the, uh, the vomit scene from Team America World Police. Oh, my God. <laughs> Because this is, you know, it starts off as like, ha, it's funny. And then it keeps going. And you're like, ha, it's, it's, well, it's not, well. And it keeps going. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is just, this is just ridiculous. And then it gets funny again. Because it just keeps going. And I mm-hmm. think that's the, that's the kind of beauty of this product. Okay. I can, I can see that. They're not doubling down on the food. They are tripling and quadrupling down on the food it's like it's all in here like 
you've got gastromancers and sorcerers, uh, the, the circle of the salted pot, um, is a, is a druid thing, healing honey, grasping strands of spaghetti. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous in the best way possible. And I have a feeling that if, if you were to get this, even if you don't like the, the utter ridiculousness of it, of it for an extended campaign, if you, if you got this and started going through it, there's things that you'll find that'll be like, you know, if this was just fire or if this was just thunder and not spaghetti, it would be really mm. cool. How about this? A couple words me- changed and put it in your campaign. I bet you'll find a ton of stuff well- that you could put it. Let me throw this at you really fast. Let me throw this at you. How about would it would it would it make it any would it sweeten the deal or the pot for us at all if I were to tell you that there are, they have an eight foot tall fried cockatrice in this thing, or uh, a loyal durian dog, or a Great Danish puppy, a Great Danish, or or, or a Jello slod. That's that's the one that got me. Was a Jello? Now is that a slod? Made of Jello, or is that? I don't. I, think, I don't. I think we're gonna have to crack the book open to find is it, out. Is it, is it a? Is it? Is it a slod that is consistency of Jello? Right. Right. But is still a slod, or is it Jello in the shape of a slod? Yeah. I mean, mm. or is it just like another ooze or jelly, and it is just mm. Jello? Uh, yeah. Well, it is a medium ooze. Okay. So that, I think that answers that. Bourbon bla- uh, glazed boar, jumbo sammy, or sandwich, I guess, sausage monster, Sir Francis salt. Uh, as apparent, it's like a mage, maybe sausage gun, spaghetti. Like this thing's like all. This is all food all the time. Mm-hmm. They're they're going like, completely off the reservation. Yeah. They are hard in the paint on this, and I love it. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, weenie monster! Yes, a weenie monster. Uh, Awesome. Okay. Uh, Fat Magic. Fat Magic. On Kickstarter for the next 24 days. Yep. Yep. And it is is over half funded. I think it'll probably get there. Funded. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll hit their funding at this point. And it's. Is it Hannah. Hannah. uh, Silpanos? Silpanos? Hmm. Is uh, who's? I mean, she's on the writing team, but uh, there's there's a huge team on this. Too. Mm-hmm. It's not just mm-hmm. a couple people. And I mean, yeah, the art's cool. I mean, I dig it. it. It's it's fun. I bet there's some some cool little gems that you'll find in there. Absolutely. Here, uh, let me uh, pitch another one at you that is also filled with gems. Um, this is another one on Kickstarter. This is kind of the big one on Kickstarter right now. I think. Um, Call of Cthulhu Classic uh, has launched by Chaosium. It is a boxed set of uh, Chaosium's products from the 1980s in reprint. Uh, I believe that second edition, if I if I recall correctly, second yes, edition. Yes, second Cthulhu. edition. Yeah. Um. So. You get five supplements in the full box set, five adventures, um, or five sections, 
Um, I think one of them is like a book full of adventures. Uh, yeah, The Asylum and Other Tales. Uh, most of those books range from 60 pages to 80 pages. Um, then you get all the core books and things like that. Um, I love me a good box set. That's where I'm at with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so. So here, let me tell you. Let me ask if you guys think this is weird. I think it's odd that they're selling a a one inch box set for forty dollars that only has um, uh, the rule book and the source book and the map. And then they're also selling a two inch box set for a hundred dollars that has the standard stuff plus those five supplements. I I find it odd that they're releasing second edition stuff. I do too. That's another good point. I yeah. I don't understand <clears throat> this. I mean, we just talked about it last week where With Paizo, Paizo yeah. has finally stopped said they're going to stop producing stuff for first edition and focus solely on their second edition of their role-playing game. And their current, you know, Call of Cthulhu is currently on what edition? Seventh. Mm-hmm. And it, it's still with Chaosium, right? Mm-hmm. So, yep. why do we go back and do the second... I mean, it's obviously working. They're... they're well, it's the same reason why they funded. did... They re-released the original D&D books back in 3rd edition, or no, I think it was like whenever 4th edition was still out. A couple of years, right before 5th edition came out, and they did the reprints of the Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, and Dungeon Master Guide for AD&D. They, re- they re-released all that, and uh, there was a head like a, a, um, like a different, they used some of the same cover art, but they had like a different cover for it. They did the same thing with D&D. Yeah, I mean... It's a nostalgia thing. Like some yeah, some I guys can't, can't some people can't find those original books. They have a hard time finding them or something like that. And they they want to they want to wax nostalgic. Yeah, that could be. That could I be. I think it is a little odd. I've got I keep turning my back and I don't have my books here um, anymore. Um, but I've got the the Star Wars um, role playing game box set that just came out because it's an anniversary edition or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a different system completely than what they're running with now so there is probably a nostalgic factor with it i what will be even weirder is if they continue to release content for second edition based on this like well continuing to to release reprints or to new content associated with the second either one i think is weird i think that them reprinting more of the old that's all that's art like retread that I don't think that's going to be weird at all. That's what. I that's you, all. Look, here's another one. DM's Guild scratches that itch. Uh, I, DM's Guild does, but they already have that with drive through with 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 yeah. Call of Cthulhu stuff. Like I think what's it, it'd be like if Watsy started putting out AD and D stuff and had not just like an anniversary edition box set, but like said we're going to start cranking out adventures and you're going to find them in this. Like that to me would be really weird. I don't mind a box set. I. I think there's always a place for a box set, but um, yeah, on your shelf, your box set shelf. bias. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like if they were, if to your point, if they were releasing new content for an old system, I'm with you. That's totally weird. I, that that really doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But them reprinting and retreading, 
uh, either to bring people into this. Like, if they, what if, what if they have the people that don't want to play the seventh edition, but they really love the older editions and they wanted that feel. They're, they're, and it's obviously working for them. Three hundred thousand dollars as of this recording. That's nothing to sniff at. And it's you know they've got how much? How many more days they have left on this thing? Like Fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Seventeen, sorry. Seventeen, yeah. Seventeen days of thirteen and uh, uh, three hundred and fifteen thousand. Their goal was twenty, so there's obviously a groundswell there that even they weren't really anticipating with a twenty thousand dollar goal. Um, and okay, so why why the second edition? Why not start all the way back to the first? That's the one that's that I'm curious I, about. I wonder if they don't have because I think it went to Games Workshop for a while, um, and I wonder if it the first edition wasn't originally Chaosium either. I, I think that it's traded hands a few times, um, and I wonder if second edition is the oldest one that they have access to. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, good on them for making that money off of an old product, resurrecting it, you know? Yeah. I, I, so here, here's me being honest. I think what I am going to end up doing is trying to pick this up at a convention. I don't think I'm going to pack it because I don't think you're going to get, I think 40 bucks and 100 bucks are probably retail prices for this. So I'm probably mm. going to allow this to be a, a, you know, knee jerk purchase at a con as opposed to a Kickstarter. Um, but it's cool, and I like that they. Anytime there's a box set, I get excited. You guys talked about Dying Earth, yes, mm-hmm. last week. Yep. Yeah, that that scratched an itch for sure. So big time, big. Time. But see, you know, is that that's not retreading or you know bringing out the old ponies. I I don't understand. I just don't understand. I would think that you would want to. Do a do a Kickstarter and say what we're doing is re- we're g- gathering money to bring all of the second edition material into mm-hmm. the current edition mm-hmm. or something. I mean, I don't know how how different the editions are. I regretfully have not played a lot of Call of Cthulhu. I've, I always wanted to. I remember seeing all of these books and wanting to buy them, but knowing. At the time, I was probably not capable enough to run it, and I didn't mm. know anybody else that would. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let that rest. Uh, I, I would recommend that we at least check, keep it on your radar. But but um, this is going to be a thing, so don't 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 feel like you have to get your hands on it right away if you don't if you're not certain you're going to run it. And by the by, I'm going to throw this out there in the link, a link in the doobly doo. Uh, for you guys to take a look at whenever you get a chance. These are the, the books that I was actually talking about previously that D&D had released. They'd re-released the AD&D uh, top three books mm-hmm. again. And they did that back oh, in 2012, yeah, yeah. right before t- before 4th um, edition died and 5th uh, edition came up in its wake. And, and I agree. Something like that, where it's the core three, mm-hmm. it is a nostalgia thing. Yeah. But I feel like... I'm not a po- you know I'm not upset with Chaosium for doing this. I just feel that this is not a nostalgia thing completely because you're releasing a whole bunch of other stuff with it. Mm. But uh, and it's not as far as I can tell, or I didn't I didn't read through it closely enough. But it's not you know zhuzhed up or anything like that. It's just reprinted. Right. Hmm. I got you. <clears throat> I mean that's cool. I mean they're they're obviously killing it, and uh, good on them for 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 doing that. 
Call of Cthulhu has always been a a cool cool system and it's a it's a contender for sure. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Alright. Uh Troy, you got a couple for us here. I do. And I'm going to hit you with the wondrous tome of wands by T.A. Gray. This is their first creation for Kickstarter. Um, you may be surprised, but this is a, a tome full of different wands. Shocker! I know. And also, there's Shocker. other there's other magic stuff to this, but it's uh, it's new wands, different types of wands, ways to uh, to, to flavor your stuff up even more. There's a, there's a sampler that you can download to check some stuff out. Hmm. And the art is really, really cool. I, I dig the art. Uh, and the, the, the wands from, from the sampler. Yeah. Uh, some of them are kind of goofy. Others are pretty powerful and pretty cool. Uh, the first one that, that caught my attention was the Wand of Butterfingers. And you just dropping stuff? Yeah. You cast it, or you use it, and, and zap somebody, and they if they fail their saving throw, according to the wand, butter begins to ooze from their fingers and palms, and they're at disadvantage on weapons attacks and dexterity sleight of hand checks and things like that because they just can't hold on to anything. And to me, that was like, that kind of makes sense. Hmm. That's a cool spell. I don't understand why the wand is a one use per day, but it is pretty powerful. Yeah, it is pretty powerful, but it's kind of it's kind of weird that well, all it does is make you drop things and, and stuff like that. So to me, it's almost kind of like a grease spell, a localized grease spell uh, used in a very unique way. So mm-hmm. why can't you cast it more times in a day? But aside from that. I think that's really cool. And then, of course, what would this podcast be if we didn't point out the wand of uncontrollable flatulence? Man, I started shaking my head as soon as you said which what kind of podcast would we be. I knew exactly which one you were going to do. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I was going to say wand of the feeble. That's no. <laughs> well, there's feeble-minded, well, there, There's that. Yeah. What's yeah, that about exactly. That's not nice. This wand only has two charges. Thank goodness. <laughs> And uh, you you zap somebody with it, and if they fail their constitution saving throw, they develop uncontrollable flatulence for a minute. And really, the only thing it does besides make everybody at the table groan and call you a 13-year-old boy uh, is it gives you uncontrollable, it, it gives you disadvantage on charisma checks for that minute. They should have called this thing the crop duster. As it should. Ooh. Yes. Right. And I I think they did miss wand the thing. of There's dusted one. crops. <clears throat> yes. If you uh, if you use silent uh, but deadly wand. If you use the last charge, which is you only have two. If you use the last charge, you have to roll a d twenty. If you roll a one, the wand disintegrates with a hissing sound. I feel like they missed an opportunity with that. <laughs> I don't know. I will let your imaginations. Run wild. No, they didn't. I'm glad <clears throat> but, they didn't. Uh, but they have, you know, the wand of uh, the wand of the watchful, wand of the feeble, 
uh, wand of the baneful, wand of regrowth, and wand of delectable pastries. So, you know what? I was going to say, I don't know that we need a book of 100 wands, but we're about ready to get a supplement all about wizards. So I think we could... I think this, this, this backing, this might be the... Uh, a, a, a moment of foresight for you at this point. If you think that you might uh, pick up that setting book that Wizard is going to be putting out here soon, um, this gives you a whole bunch of magic items Yeah. To hand off to your party of wizards. Yeah, 100 plus magical wands, cursed artifacts, sentient wands, tables and indexes um, to give out loot based on party level and power level instead of just, you know, rarity and things like that carefully balanced uh i just i think this is kind of a cool idea and apparently i'm not alone because there's 15 days left to go of the 2500 goal they're at 4100 as of this recording so mm-hmm. this is scratching a niche for somebody for a lot of somebody's well and uh, to be honest here's another thing too for a, for our first time this is a good out the gate yeah, this is a, this is solid for them. Like the so production solid. value looks good. It's there's silliness in it, but that's the product, you know. And yeah. I think that for what they were trying to accomplish, they, they've got a, they've got a, a solid run that they're starting to develop with this. Well, and and that's cool. The 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 title is perfect. Wondrous Tome of Wands. There's 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 wonder. There's whimsy. There's actual power in in some of these wands. It just it runs the gamut. So. He's also from St. Louis, which is in my neck of the woods, so yeah. that's cool. I'm always excited when I see a true Midwest creator, because... True. Yeah. Thomas likes to tell me, I don't know if Thomas is in chat, but Thomas likes to tell me that Ohio is the Midwest. Is this, you won't hit him, Thomas. Well, I mean, yeah, because Indiana is supposed to be the Midwest, too. I never could figure that out. Well, so what, the only thing that I could figure out is that Midwest was a term perhaps coined by people in, like, New York. So anything further west than New York <laughs> is... It's middle. Is the it's Midwest. Middle. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it's like, it's like you've got the East Coast, the Midwest. Midwest. Yes. The, the West. How the is West, it, West. How is it the start of the Midwest... When it is on, when it is very much towards the east, it's this, the mid east. This is we are America. so derailed. This, We're so derailed. Is, it, it, we are, but this is America, <laughs> and everybody knows in America, the middle is the biggest part. <laughs> that is an accurate statement. So okay, so if, uh, we're just assuming that Midwest is everything that's not on the coast, and right. not the South, and not the South, or and not Texas, right? Because Texas is. Not the Midwest. It's it's its own thing. Right? Texas is its own thing. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> Fair enough. And thus endeth the geography lesson. <laughs> it's the West East. That's right. I feel like we got a, dr- a geography lesson lesson by drunk history, though. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's fair. Uh, let's see. You want to do your other one, Troy? I can do my other one. Let's see it. All right. This is Alcander's Almanac of All Things. Uh, this is this is the another first created, 
and it is done by a, a gentleman that who I have recently stumbled upon in the last several months, the Dungeon Coach. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a new YouTube channel to watch, I would encourage you to check out the Dungeon Coach. He he's actually a teacher by trade, and he encourages people to to take the game and think outside the box, be creative with with what you're doing. He gives some great advice, and and he's a lot of fun to watch. So, this is his first outing. He wants to become a full-time creator, because mm-hmm. um, probably being a teacher is driving him crazy. Hmm. I know it would me. Uh, but Alkander's Almanac of All Things is his answer to more homebrew rules for, for D&D 5, 5th edition. This is like the the next step in the evolution of 5e. Uh, he's got some really cool stuff in here. And again, the art looks looks pretty good. He's got he wants to focus on the three pillars: exploration, combat, and the social encounters, giving you different ways to to bring those more to life. And you're not expected to use everything in this book. You you probably can't because it would be way too much to keep mm-hmm. straight. But you know, he does rule variants for combat, tandem turns, held turns, which is what we're kind of used to in past editions and not this declared actions, oh. uh, improved advantage and disadvantage mechanics, things of that nature, modified flanking rules, healing potion rules, new prone conditions. Uh, you get down to the exploration. Uh, there's There's different travel rules. Different ways to, to use uh, you know, expanded travel systems, revised resting systems, new downtime mechanics, social encounters. I actually have this rule in my games when I run my home games, and it's called... And he uses the same same thing. I think he stole this from me. I'm not sure. I'm, I'll get my lawyers on this, but whatever. It's called, I know a guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're in a situation and you need some information or need help to get out of a certain situation and your players are floundering, if one of them thinks of it, they can say, hey, Mm -hmm. you know what? I know a guy that can help. Mm -hmm. And which is kind of fun because it also backfires on them because now it's like, okay, well, who is this guy? How do you know him? Where's he at? What does he know? Does he like you? Or do you do you think he likes you? You know that kind of thing. And now I got a brand new NPC that I can mess with the with the group with, and it's very similar to that kind of thing. Uh, hmm. Combat rules for role playing, uh, exploration rules, uh, player driven rules, uh, all kinds of all kinds of cool, interesting things in this. Uh, I I am definitely going to jump on this. He also has a Patreon. And you could be a part of that. And he does a a supplement, a PDF supplement every month mm. of different different rules and different things. And the hardback book of Alcander's Almanac of All Things is Kickstarter exclusive. Once this is done, you will probably only be able to get a PDF version of it. Possibly a print on demand. I don't know. But he definitely said that the PDF will be available afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of cool little stretch goals, a lot of cool little add-ons. Um, no, no stickers like Fat Magic, mm-hmm. but 
Would that they could all have scratch and sniff stickers. Right. What a wonderful world it would be. What a wonderful. <laughs> you can actually get uh, uh, part of the part of the Kickstarter. You can actually get um, uh, a coaching session, a one-on-one coaching session with him if you want to oh, well. to pledge for something like that. But yeah, and uh, this one doing rather well for a first outing. Also, twenty-five days to go. Pledge goal of ten thousand dollars. They're setting right under ninety thousand. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. I I am I am excited for this. This is this I'm I'm definitely going to be in on. Uh, supposed to supposed to be uh, delivered June of twenty twenty two. Very cool. So good job, Dungeon Coach. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, my uh, last one here is the only non-Kickstarter thing that we had today. Um, I wanted to commend, do a little commendation for Watsy um, for this tidbit. Uh, We're getting the Magic the Gathering crossover. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we all, I think none of us are Magic players. Is that right? That's correct. Not for years and years, yeah. Yeah. but it's cool that we're getting that crossover um, mm-hmm. the other direction now, right? Magic has been creeping into D&D with the source books and all that. Now we're creeping into Magic with, with, with their card run. Take that. Um, in recognition of this crossover, we are getting a uh, collection of adventures. Straight from Watsy. Um, and the first one is out for free on the, uh, Magic the Gathering website, on their blog, basically. I'll go ahead and post that here in chat, but, um, this is great. They should be doing this for every, any time they dip in with a setting or a supplement. When we, when we, when we meet... When we get a book called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, we should be having an adventure, even if it's just one mm-hmm. adventure, an adventure showcasing Tasha or with Tasha lore. Same with Van Richten. Uh, we got House of Lament, so yeah. we're at least yeah, so we halfway there, there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, this is what we should be seeing consistently. Now, the interesting thing about this um, is that this is a actual Forgotten Realms adventure. It's not a Magic the Gathering one. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was a weird choice. I understand that we're doing a crossover, but why not re-remind people of how thick this crossover is mm-hmm. and drop a Theros adventure or a Theros and a, um, uh, oh goodness, what is, what is the other? Ravnica. Um, Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they've got those other ones that are free on the DMs Guild, right? Yeah. Like, just yeah. pull one of those out of the storage, dust off the mo- mothballs and... Uh, write something for that. That being said, I think this is a really nice offering. It's got some great art. Like it's not just a quick little splat. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, it, I, but it is short. It's short. It's not. Yeah. It's not. A, it's not a big undertaking. Only fourteen pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really happy with this. Um, I think this is a great thing, and uh, they're going to continue on this one. Uh, uh, I, I don't. Did you guys see how often these are dropping? No, I didn't see I th- that. I thought it was like going to be once a week. 
once a week sounds like what I kind of remembered. So we should be seeing the second one come up pretty quick. I, there's going to be several of them, and um, you can typically find them, I think, by going to the Magic the Gathering blog, but um, they'll also be probably scattered throughout. If you just, yeah. I found this one, I think, on as a news article, so I'm sure you can find that if you just Google it. Yeah, I, I dig it. The, you know, always needs more Red Wizard love. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. It starts. It starts you out at, uh, at tier two. Yeah, That's or not. Nice. Not it starts you out. The, the adventure starts out at tier two. Yeah. Out tier two. Yeah. Um, this was led by James Wyatt as the story lead. Um, so they they put they put a big dog on it. I think that's it, fellas. I think that's mm-hmm. our news for today. Uh, we made it less than an hour. I might <gasps> note, unlike some people who floundered and barely kept their head above water last week. Wow. Uh, All right. Well. Yeah, no, cool. I was gauntlet gauntlet thrown, yeah. my friend. Oh, you uh, hush. Tro- you hush, you John. About- <laughs> you had every opportunity. To smoke his ass. <laughs> I don't smoke hey, anybody's hey, ass. I'm you're sorry. Just like, That's not how I. You're just like, no, I'm a better guy. I'm not going to do that to him. Listen, saying you're, that you're That's a better fine. guy live and in public <laughs> is, a, you, is a strong indicator of something. What, have you, and, what are you accusing me of, sir? Uh, what, well, what are you, That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I have probably had that coming. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, just, uh, I didn't have anything in the can. Sorry. I should have been more prepared. I'll say that I actually really enjoyed listening to your episode from last week. Um, I got to uh, listen to it uh, while moving, and I found that the news was actually really interesting. You guys uh, had a lot of interesting articles and and Kickstarters, and um, there was a lot to ponder uh, just in that. And then I actually enjoyed your your your. TPK story, John. Even though you kept saying that it was running long and you were trying to cut corners and blah blah blah, I I thought it was a great story. So kudos. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yes. Good. All right. I hit record. <laughs> Let me check. <laughs> it's checking again. You're still good. Oh, Just God. so you know, I've checked four times since I hit record. <laughs> still recording. Just to make sure okay, it's still okay. going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here let's uh, let's refill our drinks and kick John out. Kick John Bye. out. Bye. And Bye. Uh, we'll be back to finish off Van Richten's. All right. We are back. We have refilled our drinks. We have lost John um, to the wilds of the rural internet experience yes the um, interwebs have swallowed him up it would seem yes the fireworks are going full scale in troy and i's evidently backyard yeah perhaps in, in a corner of our house somewhere <laughs> yeah waiting, um, waiting for everything to just go up into in yeah. flames and explosions yeah, I'm watching the little dials on our mixer just boom, 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 boom. Like, yeah. Um, uh, you're going to know it's the 4th of July when we record this episode from here until eternity because um, mm-hmm. there's no way all that's coming out. Uh, but you could also say that the fireworks are for the excitement that 
we are about to dive into, which is the finale of our Van Richten's Guide discussion. The 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 finally finale. Of... Yes, the finally finale. Yes, I think that we're still perhaps ahead of <laughs> uh, uh, mastering dungeons. Yes, showering the Charnateos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think, but not that, by much. Not by much. Yeah, it. We only did how many episodes? Three, and we still almost took as long as them yeah. by the time we finished it up. Uh, well, hey, um, we saved the best for last. We've hinted about this for a long time. Um, I know all three of us, if John were here, he would say the same thing, I believe. We're really excited to talk about Chapter 2. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot in here, a lot of good stuff. Um, I think it's going to be easier for us to cover this in a reasonable time frame when there's only two of us here. Yeah. So, you're welcome, listeners. Um, if you didn't know it already, removing John decreases the uh, decreases, time commitment per episode. De decreases the word count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, let's just dive into it, uh, Troy. I'm, I'm excited to talk about There's a lot to talk about, so let's just uh, get right in. Uh, chapter 2 and Chapter 3, I think, is what we're covering tonight, right? Yep. All right, so Chapter 2 is a good starting point. Uh, chapter 2 starts off with creating a Dark Lord and creating a Domain. Which I would say is the equivalent, kind of, of saying creating a villain and creating a horror setting. Yes. I, there's differences, right? Like, they, they want you to do certain things with your Dark Lord or whatnot. But by and large, if you're creating a villain, you're probably creating most of these things as part of them. Right, right. I do, I do like this idea of being able to create your own, own Dark Lord, and it makes a lot of sense if you're going to do this kind of thing and you want it to be yours. To do this during your session zero, yeah, while your characters are pitching their, their character ideas. See, I think that's interesting because kind of their pitch is that you want the Dark Lord to be a reflection of the players. Yeah, that's kind of a big point. I, on some ways, I agree with that. I think that's an interesting idea, but I would want to have that villain prepped before session zero. Okay. Well, okay. I think because you, to me, you could do it two two different ways. If if the character or the players really want to have a strong hand in creating this domain with you, mm -hmm. then. There could be that give and take of, well, what do you see your characters being? What do you, you know, are your characters from here? Because that would be that would be the the one part I think I would make it mandatory. If you're going to help create the domain, your characters have to be from here, mm -hmm. to, so that you can help really flesh it out. Otherwise, what's the point if I'm making a a domain that comes from some other planet? some other world and you are dead set on having uh, a character from forgotten realms show up. Yeah. It's like, well then why, are we, why am I making a new one? I could yeah. just, I could just do one of the ones out of the book. Yeah. I think the other thing that I thought was interesting here was the pitch of a dark Lord needs to be irredeemable. Mm. Yeah. You just can't save him. 
Yeah, there's nothing. There's, you know, it's not to say that they can't have any. Oh, what's the best word? Reasonable characteristics. But the, they have but to that, have a likability. I I don't know about have to, but they can. I, the best ones to me have a likability, like Strahd. Sure. There's something about Strahd that if he wasn't trying to kill you, he's suave. You, you probably would want to hang out with him. Yeah, he's 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 a suave debonair and a and yeah. a dope mansion, right? Like he's got he's got he got a dope crib. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, I think that there's others that are less that way and Probably. are more just vile. Yeah. Um, now there is this idea of past life and blah, 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 blah. Like there, there is a tragic tragedy to a dark Lord's history. Um, but I like the idea that like, there's not going to be a, an arc here. That ends with you pulling a dark lord free of their domain, and they are forever, you know, appreciative of you. And domain turns to, uh, you know, sunshine and daisies and. Well, the, uh, yeah, but what if you know you because you're going to have that that group, and probably there's mm -hmm. several groups out there in the in the multiverse that are like. That's the story I want to. I want to play it. I want to. That's I true. Want to you can do whatever you want to at your table. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it, you definitely could. But what if you did that? What if you? What if you somehow connected Tatiana with Strahd and got her to fall in love with him and all of this stuff? What would happen? Would yeah. he? Would he be redeemed? Yeah. Or would she turn? Or would she yeah. become evil? Would things even change? Would it? And if you think about it, right? Like this makes this this is a very telling aspect of what the domains of dread are, which they are a they are a pervasive plague that only builds, right? Mm -hmm. Like the idea that like domain if 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 the if the uh, dark lords are irredeemable, then the domains of dread are ever present and permanent which means that and 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 the and they are not finite in number like they're ever increasing mm -hmm. so there's this undercurrent of an idea that at some point in the far distant future much of the world will be running into contact on a consistent basis with the domain of dread, which is interesting. It'd be a cool setting, right? Like the domains have, you know, we're 10,000 years in the future, 3,000 years in the future, and the domains have, you know, so encroached upon all the other planes of existence that you can't, you know, you're just constantly butting up against them and stepping from one to the other. Yeah. Well, I mean, they even, I mean, as we get in further into this, there's one domain that doesn't have a Dark Lord. Yeah. And they escaped. And now, what happens then? There's a, there's like a power play. It's a vacuum. Do, do the dark powers of the domains want a new Dark Lord to step up? Mm-hmm. 
because you know the well yeah we'll get into that when we start talking about well here let's talk so so, i mean i i'm probably done with talking about dark lords it's cool to talk about villains but we can talk about villains another point and then so the next part is creating a domain um which is again really about just creating your own horror setting yeah um there's elements to it right like the domains of dread are not just poor done there's a undercurrent of similarity with them and so there's this idea this this they're trying to help you develop those same undercurrents um but for the most part it's just hey make a horror setting Mm -hmm. shrouded in mist you're done Yep, shrouded in mist, and you're not. And honestly, you could just take movies. Yeah. I mean, if you really wanted to, like, do a, a crazy tour of, 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 of different types of horror, you could do. Uh, Elm Street is a domain. Mm-hmm. Camp Crystal Lake is a domain. Yeah. Haddonfield is a domain. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Create a setting, create your Dark Lord, shrouded in mist, you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the most interesting part of Chapter 2 comes in the final section, which is the genres of horror. Yes. Um, this might be the best section of the book, arguably. It definitely opened my eyes to different types of horror and gave me a way to categorize. Yeah. Yeah. So their their genres of horror are body horror, cosmic horror, dark fantasy, folk horror, ghost stories, gothic horror, and then they have some like minor genres of disaster horror, occult detective stories, psychological horror, and slasher horror. Yep. Um, that's a lot. That's like, uh, I think that's 10 different genres altogether. And obviously there's a bleeding between them. Yeah. Well, and and it goes back to my point from way in the beginning of this series of talking about Ravenloft and Van Ricken's Guide. Every single one of those happens in your adventures. Oh, yeah, large, so, by and large, yeah. Hands down, 90% of your adventures, I would say, are could be classified as some type of horror. Or at least should be, because when you think about it, the characters go through some stuff. Mm-hmm. And they never get tainted by it in a yeah. normal campaign. Yeah. And they should. They should have... D&D needs a table of issues that you can develop. Yeah. Cause if, if you wanted that realism, because it's going to be there and like, you know, but if you want the, the, the heroic getting through the situation and, and not worrying about that kind of stuff then yeah, you don't need that. But if you want that extra bit of, you know, now you've developed a drinking problem and, <laughs> and things like things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. So, so each one of these, um has a definition about it right it mentions kind of just talks about what the genre is it has a set of bullet points talking about genre tropes and that's not a bad thing it's just like 
here's what these should contain. So as an example with body horror, physical transformations, uh, characters suffering aberrant or excessive growth, body horror doesn't need, uh, you know, swapping bodies, turning to stone, that sort of thing as well, not just gore. And then, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, they want you to kind of get a sense in bullets and then in kind of paragraph form. Yeah. How, what each one is. I do like how they call out that, uh, you know, the genre of body horror does have a history in our world of portraying disabilities as monstrous yeah. or, or evil or, or something to that effect. And to be aware of those tro- tropes and, you know, try to avoid them, especially if you're the DM. You don't want to offend anyone or anything like that. Or, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I try, I, I hesitate to say, you know, flat out avoid them because who knows, there might be a way that you could do it and not be, well, you know, insensitive, I think, but I don't know. I'm just it saying. On, I, I think it depends on where you're drawing the line there, right? Because like, um, you know, as an example from a very popular series, Star Wars, Almost every villain in Star Wars is a body horror villain. Okay. You know, um, Darth Vader, 100%, right? He's mutilated. I mean, parts of the parts of the, of the terror or mystery of him is when you see him in his black yeah. Yeah, uh, behind the sphere mask. and you see, like, the mask being low and you see, like, sc- scars and all that, like, all around his head watching you know and and the prequels him getting dismembered um and getting put back together um also in the prequels the emperor getting like his own power turned against him in his face melting mm-hmm. you know also in the prequels grievous is like only a brain and some guts and the rest of it is kind of an amalgamation and a, and a bad case of asthma <laughs> yeah so like i mean we We like that in some ways, but what we don't want, or at least what I wouldn't want to do, is zoom in on that and yeah. say, because of the uh, disability or deformation, they are monstrous. Right. I right. think that's the main thing, right? It's like, we're not hunchbacking this we're not the we're not the uh elephant man yeah yeah yeah, exactly um but yeah so there's there's great stuff on all of i think the part that's coolest though i mean obviously it's great to have like these nice definitions for all of these genres but then they go through and they give several sets of tables yes for these first six um there's a table of body horror monsters Mm mm-hmm Various challenge. So, and this is true for all of the different genres, at least the first six. Um, there's a body horror monsters table. There's a body horror horror villains table. Mm-hmm. Uh, torments table, which is dark lord centric, basically. Uh, and then a body horror settings table, and a body horror adventure settings uh, adventure sites table which so like settings big picture adventure sites like zooming in a little bit 
Um, and then body horror plots, uh, which are kind of the story that you right. might and, tell. And each, each uh, of the horror types has these Yes. These yes. tables to them. I, I think, honestly, um, most of these are D8 tables. Um, I think the only complaint that I might have... I think these are really great. Full stop. I think the only complaint that I have is I don't really need the body horror settings one. You're about ready to give us, in Chapter 3, a ton of setting yeah. ideas. I think what I would have rather had here is remove this table and make all these others D12s. Because they're great. They're great tables. I Fair. want more of them. But DM's Guild. Yep. Somebody yeah. got there and, and give us a D20 table, D100 table, whatever. Yeah. Because, like, the body horror plots, like, these are great mm -hmm. adventure hooks. Like, I would love, I love these. Um, and the monsters, that's a great, like, just reading through this monster list, and you're like, oh, they think that the red slot is a body horror monster. Well, of course it is. But that's a great oh, yeah. idea. Like you, you know, you can you can play with that. Um, the villains—that's another great one. Like like the story ones, I think are excellent. I just I I personally feel like I got enough setting ideas with chapter three. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, it gives you a framework, definitely yeah. to to build your own. But yeah. Uh, so. What else should we talk about with this this chapter, uh, Troy? This uh, I don't know. That I mean, it, it's just a really good... It's a solid... Come here for inspiration. Yeah, it's a solid foundation to build from. To give you... to give you, If you want horror. And even if you don't want to do a domain. Yeah, exactly. Again, no. this helps with your regular I, game. I, what I will be doing is when the party goes into a dark forest, I'm going to be... Going over to dark fantasy and folk horror, oh yeah, especially here, right? And just saying, what if here is interesting that I could pull from and drop in? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when my or players even ghost want stories. To yep, exactly. When my players want to visit the illithid, crashed illithid spaceship, I'm going to be like, all right, cosmic horror and body horror. Here we go. Let's yep. check it out, right? Because um, this is a lot of easy to implement ideas and and i think you're gonna get a lot of utility out of this chapter oh yeah i think more utility out of this chapter for dms who want to do the horror aspect than probably in most books so far like you can run whole campaign out of just the stuff in here so. yeah if you want if that's a dial that you want to tweak in your campaign this yeah. is an awesome chapter and and it goes for any not just D D, not just fantasy you can you can use these ideas in science fiction, modern, uh, whatever you mm -hmm. want. It you can have that ability, and like I said, you know, every every campaign, whether you're it's Ravenloft or not, only gets better when you sprinkle a little bit of that horror dust in. And just yes, any anything to make your players kind of squidgy up and go oh to get that get that reaction i love it <laughs> yes uh okay so let's let's pop on over to chapter three pop on over 
this chapter is the big chapter. It encompasses yes. all of their domains of dread, their their domains of Ravenloft, as they call it. Um, I didn't count these, but I'm going to say that there is about a dozen fully fleshed out domains, plus probably another 18 that are just kind of given a paragraphical treatment, plus another section that details a bunch of NPCs that you might encounter in the mist. Yeah. Um, but by and large, the lion's share of this chapter is those about dozen domains that are really fleshed out, have a lot of attention on them. I think what we've determined to do is kind of what we did with Tasha's with the subclasses, which mm -hmm. is to talk about each one of these is excessive. Yes. Um, what what I think is going to be better is that if we just talk about the ones that we got excited by, right? Um, yeah. And you, you, dear listener, might be excited about others, um, different ones. So this is an opportunity for you to go uh, read and learn something uh, different. Um, but I think between Troy and I, we're going to cover about half of them, or at least half of the main ones. Yeah. So... I, I, before we get to the actual debates, I love the fact that they did a little bit of, of stuff for the mists and how magic and, and stuff yes. like that works. Yeah. Because the mists are very strange and mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, a, it's a domain all of all on its own almost that you're hopefully not going to be in very long. Mm -hmm. But I, I wanted more more stuff like this for the Eberron. Mm -hmm. uh, Mornland, I, I to to go through that, yeah, because it, they kind of made it more just like a an inconvenience than something that was. Oh, this is really cool. Yeah, exactly. No, I like I like all that. That like kind of preamble to entering a domain is mm -hmm. cool. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go one by one. We're gonna trade back and forth and talk about some of the domains that we like. Um, I think let's let's spice this up a little bit. Um, give me a domain, give me the elevator pitch for the domain, and I'm going to see if I can guess what Ooh. excited you, what, why you picked this one. Oh, this right? is interesting. On the spot. We're going to learn something about Troy, about your host, we'll just put it that way. Uh, perhaps based on the types of domains that they pick. Am I am I giving you the, am I giving you the, the actual domain itself, or just giving you the pitches to why I like it? So uh, I think give me like um, give me like the name of the domain, and just a brief overview of what we can expect in this domain, like what its inhabitants are, what what is happening in the setting, you know, like. Is there an inciting event, or is there a is there an area that we're focused on? Is there a story behind it? Let's hear the little bit about it, and then I'll I'll see if I can determine, based off that, and everything else that I know about these domains, why you why it stuck out to you. Okay, well, then I'm going to start off with the granddaddy. Okay, Gubarovia. Okay, you know you've got Strahd, Gothic horror, uh, very. Middle European flavored, mountainous, dark woods, um, 
hags, uh, suspicious townsfolk, um, hmm. enigmatic uh, wanderers, that kind of thing. Um, Strahd is always forever in search of his his true love, or what mm-hmm. he thinks was his true love, Tatiana. Mm-hmm. And and her soul is always being reborn in this domain, so it's, it's perpetually keeping him, yeah, searching, and not necessarily in this domain, but you know, it keeps being reborn. So I think uh, Barovia is a gothic horror, but I think that I, I'm going to guess that Troy likes this setting or this this domain because it's classic. And because there's a lot of really solid content that was created for this, some of the best D and D you can play is set in in Barovia. Yeah, you nailed it on the head. It, it it it's it's the Hammer films. It's the old Paramount monster movies. It's all of that rolled into one. I mean, yeah, the main baddie is is a the vampire for D and D, but there's nothing saying that you can't have a Frankenstein's monster. You think you can't have a werewolf. You can't have witches and hags and you know it's it's just got that grim Grimm's fairy tales feel and, and everything behind it. It just yeah, you you know it's classic. It's it's the original. It's the OG. Awesome. Awesome. Alright, I'm gonna give you one now. Alright. I'm going to talk about Lamordia. So the hallmarks of Lamordia are amoral science, bizarre constructs, frigid wilderness, and mutagenic radiation. Um, and the pitch for it, it, it's a domain of snow and stitched flesh. Life is cheap in Lamordia. Um, golems humunculi and other constructed beings grown to life to support a populace desperate to survive in this frigid realm frozen bogs and glacial expanses around lamordia's smog and machinery filled cities um and then the only other thing that i would note is uh or or kind of pitch to you is the uh, Dark Lord is a reclusive genius, Dr. Victra Mordenheim, uh, who created some of the uh, Ludendorff's greatest innovations. Okay. I I feel that uh, this also has that uh, pang of the classic, of, of the gothic, um, but it also has that weird the weird science the steampunk the the victorian england kind of feel it it feels almost like you know victor mordenheim would employ jack the ripper and mr hyde to go out and collect those things you're going to send body snatchers out into the cemeteries to exhume and bring you new specimens, and like like you said, life is cheap, so it, it gives that 
that heavy darkness, that doom and gloom. The citizens of the domain are just going to be depressed and quiet and going through the paces because they're already defeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, like to me, Lamordia is a combination of Frankenstein mixed with the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's and in in the best blend of the two, um, there you know the the ending or towards the ending, if I remember right, Frankenstein, you have Doctor Frankenstein hunting down his monster in the glaciers in the in the or in the uh, uh, in the yeah, snow. Yeah. In one of the, yeah, in one of the versions, yeah. Yeah. Or more than one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, in the thing, like, snow is isolation. Snow is, you know, the, the coldness, uh, the iciness of the place is, I think, a lot of times in some of these movies and stories, communicative of... Um, the harshness of of life in general. It, it does not care. Right. Yeah. And and neither do you. And that's kind of the idea, right? Like mm-hmm. mankind can be as harsh as the elements sometimes. Um, so yeah, I, 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 this speaks to me because it can be as limiting as you want. Just like the thing, it can be this. You could tell a domain of dread story in Lamordia that is super tight one shot whatever right or you could do a rhyme of the frost maiden in this domain of dread that would have been i probably would have done that or at least batted the idea around if this book would have came out first i think rhyme of the frost maiden reworked to be in lamordia would be really cool yeah yeah okay I dig that. So, am I, am I doing another one of these things? Yeah, give me another one. All right. Falk, Falkovnia. Falkovnia. A domain domain besieged by the dead. Uh, the Dark Lord, Dark Lord is Vladisaka Drakov. And the genre is supposed to be disaster horror. Hmm. Dwindling, dwindling resources, fickle hero worship, impending disaster... Suspicion, totalitarianism, and zombies. Hmm. Hmm. Um, uh, this one's harder. I, (laughs) I'm going to say that the reason you're excited about Falkovnia is that it's, Zombies, in a way that we don't often see them, where they're they're the backdrop, but the totalitarianism and this 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 titanic individual are more the villains to be feared. It's kind of the Walking Dead thing, right? I know you watched a lot of Walking Dead, yep. where the the zombies are a threat, but sometimes the biggest threat comes from the people who remained alive. Uh, yes, but before we continue, and I'll edit this part out, Girk said that he can't hear the stream. What? Oh. I wonder if he's, um, 
I know we sh we should be audible. He may just be saying that he can't hear it because he's doing something with family or something, and he just knows that, that we're live. That could be. That could be. But, uh, oh, he's already gone. Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> yes, you, you hit the nail on the head on that one, too. I am a huge fan of The Walking Dead. Um, and I, I, I'm with Robert Kirkman's philosophy on zombie apocalypse shows and, 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 and entertainment. The zombie apocalypse is a placeholder for any kind of disaster, whether it's, you know, massive flooding, volcanoes, earthquakes, whatever. It is a, it's, it's something that mankind cannot defeat because it's, it's, ever present and, and just continues you're going it's self-perpetuating the the more people that die the more zombies there will be to come back so you're just those those that die join the natural disaster and just makes it even more difficult so what happens then it brings out the essence of a person mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you get to see you know, wow, I really thought this was a good person, but look at what they're doing now kind of thing. How far would, would you go uh, to keep yourself safe or to keep your loved ones safe? Yeah. And I, I've always found that, I've always found that very, very interesting. And uh, to see that in a way that you could actually portray that kind of an idea in D&D intrigues mm -hmm. me a lot. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. Let me give you another one here. Um, I'm going to go with Tepest. Um, okay. Tepest is one of the last ones um, of the main list. Tepest is the domain of nature's cruel secrets. Hallmarks are fey bargains, nature worship, rural festivals, and secret sacrifices. Uh, the elevator pitch that I'll give you is just this first paragraph here. Um, all is well in Tepest. Fields shine with the golden hues of a bountiful harvest, and horned village children happily recite sing-song rhymes. But those who linger among this land's pastures and colorful cottages can't escape the feeling of being watched, or the impression that the idyllic fields have a distinctly somber cast. The locals dismiss such worries as the tricks of scheming fay, but their smiles fail to mask the desperation in their eyes. Okay. I think that's that is the key point that you like about this so much is the fact that it's so heavily influenced by Fay. You have the dichotomy of this is a this is a pretty cool place. It, you know, the the fields are full of of crops ready to harvest, everybody's having fun, it's a good time, but it's just a touch out of focus and anyone that's an outsider would be able to notice that immediately yeah okay so that i was going to disagree with you actually on why until you said that last part yeah. because i what i would say is i like backwoods horror because i'm this what this says to me is children yeah. on the corn yeah exactly right i love that like I, but what i like about backwoods is the um the innocence and the ignorance mm -hmm. kind of 
and 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 the idea of an outsider coming into a situation and having to having that ignorance of what normal should look like here yeah right yeah and and feeling like you know these people are ignorant or these people are simple right sometimes that's the better way or they have you know traditional or whatever you know mm-hmm. children of the corn or whatever like there's a there's a you know uh, unintentional traditionality to what they're doing or simplest uh, simplicity like they're there there's there's an and so a lot of times i think with backwoods horror the initial cast the protagonist the victim the whatever sees the situation through those eyes mm-hmm. and by the time they realize that this is weird for a different way in a different way um it's already too late um but you're absolutely right i think i think by the end of it you kind of connected the dots um Faye, i you know Faye. Uh, honestly i can take or leave if this was fiends if this was aberrations i don't really care who the manipulator behind the scenes is what i care about is the dichotomy of simple folk simple living but some undercurrent of there's something rippling below that surface mm-hmm. that flies in the face of whatever yeah you know what you could do with with that almost i think get out yeah exactly yeah 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 because you sure. have that it's just it looks normal yep uh, there's 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 a there's a, uh, a very shallow veneer of normalcy yeah but well yeah. this should be remember remember how we had a big problem with rhymes sacrifices yes this is what they should have done more with those sacrifices mm. where it's it's not in your face what's happening i agree but, yeah, there's some there's something you know it's it's that it's that look of you know all the all the townsfolk are smiling at you but their eyes are scared yeah they're all yeah. pleasant they're all happy they're going through those motions but as mm-hmm. soon as you start asking those questions you can see they're like oh uh no, everything's everything's fine. Looking over their shoulder to make sure whatever's watching them yeah. knows that they're not yeah. giving any signals. Meanwhile, like somebody's boarding up their business mm-hmm. and like there's some orphan children that are being passed around town or whatever, right? Like yeah. you can there's all the signs that something is not fine if yeah. you if you're looking, right? Yep, if you're looking. Cool. Well let's do one more round here because I'm enjoying right. this. Okay. Uh, Haslin. Haslin. Domain doomed by magic. Uh, the Dark Lord of Haslick, who was a former, uh, Red Wizard. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Hallmarks are immoral spellcasters, magic-ravaged environment, magical experiments, wild magic, and the genres are dark fantasy and disaster horror. In Haslin... Magic is authority. It's the justification for any excess. And for those without it, 
the specter of inevitable doom. Okay. Um, another tricky one. Um, there's a couple things that I, I guess I'm going to just have to go with my gut on this one. Um, I think that there's an interesting aspect to the idea of, you always wonder in Forgotten Realms, like, why wizards aren't in charge, mm-hmm. you know, when they're not, um, and why things haven't ramped up to a horrific level with spells and wizard arcane caster's ability to use them, why things aren't this bombastic and and whatnot. And this is the opportunity to see that excess played out. Um, if wizards were in charge, it's like, <laughs> um, what's the, what's the saying? There's a saying about like, uh, well, to use one that's maybe not as culturally as significant now, but to use one that's maybe dated, like see what happens if women were in charge, right? Cause the idea of like, if there wouldn't be any war, if, woman led the world right yeah this is your opportunity to see if it wasn't the merchants who led the forgotten realms but it was the wizards what that might interesting look like. okay uh yeah you 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 hit it it's the excess it is it is the one percent yeah that rule yeah and the the haves and the have-nots it, it's the the magic the, the, those with magic have all the power those without you are so far beneath them you're you're basically cattle yeah and it's just that you know the 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 thought of how long does that last yeah what yeah. happens when the peasants revolt yeah and even if they're put down what happens then now you've just got one, one domain of dread it just recycles right but like anywhere else that's right. the beauty any, of the any, domain is anywhere that. else all you have is the one percent that's left yeah. now who rules and now yeah. who's underneath yeah 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 very cool i like that a lot actually again another great one shot or mini adventure mm-hmm. cool thing i'd love to play in an adventure where you're surrounded by people who can cast ninth level spells your ability to cast a wish spell at once a day is countered by 15 other people who can do the same in this in a square mile radius yeah or you know people that have uh, a whole sack of counter spells on them at all times it yeah what happens yeah. then it also yeah. reminds me of the movie uh dark city yeah Ooh. yeah and if oh. you if anybody out there listening has not seen dark city with uh, go, watch dark Sutherland, city. go watch yeah. dark city trippy yeah. So yeah. trippy, but very One of cool. The set set design on that is oh, is exactly where you want it to be. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is so good. It is so good. Cool. All right, I'll give you my last one here. Um, I've got a couple here, but I'll I'll narrow it down. All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with one that we uh, haven't talked about, that that isn't in the public conscious much. I'm gonna talk about Blutspear. Domain of alien memories, hallmarks are alien abductions, otherworldly landscapes, untrustworthy memories, and monstrous experimentation. Um, 
Croatian apocalypses scar the impossible vistas of Blutspur, and none who witnessed them remember. This alien domain etches itself not upon the waking mind, but rather upon the body as inexplicable scars and on the psyche through nightmares. Um, and I will note um, another thing that's kind of important is beneath the alien surface, the mind flayers of Blutspur drift through the howling darkness in their ancient metropolis laboratory. Mm-hmm. Uh... I think it's just the alien nature of it. This is the this is the thing that you don't understand. This is the, it, people are just walking around in almost a haze all the time because they know when they sleep, their nightmares could literally kill them. Mm. You know, I think I think it's that everybody is just slightly mad because. You can't trust your dreams, and they probably don't know why. Because it says, you know, it says they don't re- they don't remember what is going on. They're they're being controlled, or they're being harvested, or they're you know they're just mm-hmm. there's just that entity underneath the surface that is always there, and they have no way to almost like uh, oh they live. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that did, did you ever read um um Orson Scott Card's Ender's Game series? I have not. I watched the movie. Okay. Well, okay, so without getting too far into this, there is the books kind of sprawl out throughout the universe, kind of focused on Ender and his uh encounters with the Formix for mm-hmm. these alien entities. And eventually we get to the alien planets. Yes. I think you're right about the aliens part at the beginning. Mo- that That's kind of the biggest piece is that um, the Illithids, the Mind Flayers, are always in Forgotten Realms and the adventures that we have. Something that's coming to us. Mm-hmm. And their horror is limited by the fact that they're in our element. Even if they're in a dungeon, even if they're in the frozen north, they're still in our element more so than their own. Right. I like Blutzpur because, to me, it's the closest we've gotten, at least in 5e, to exploring what does an illithid home world or location look like how does it feel going to deep space you know the far realms mm-hmm. what can that look like i would just grab blutzper like i don't need that to be a domain of dread that can be illithid home world the reason that they're here the reason they're all around and you see them once a campaign is because their world is dying their their god is dying and they're out trying to wrap their tendrils and tentacles into other aspects of the galaxy. Um, I, I Every campaign that I run in the Forgotten Realms, at least once during the campaign, some a player asks about, could they visit the Far Realms? What is the Far Realms like? Blah, 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 blah. This is my go-to now for mm. giving them a glimpse of what that could feel like. 
Okay. Yeah. I I I dig it. It's it's very It's definitely out there. I mean, you're it's hard to wrap your brain around. Yeah. And that's, and that's what how it makes should it, be. Yeah, that's what makes it yeah. scary because it's like I it's almost like this is this is D and D's version of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. In some ways it is. Absolutely. In some ways. Yeah. Absolutely. Um Yeah, I, I I think we've done a good job of like showing off some of the cool domains here and different ways that you can use them, right? Yeah. Um we I think that what we have very clearly done is talked about how like most of these, when we look at them, we're not really thinking of them in terms of a domain of dread, but more a micro setting that we could use or, you know, drop in different places or take oh, elements yeah. from. Um, you could definitely use these for a domain of dread. I think, here's your DM skilled reference. Um, I think what would be really handy to go alongside these was like a collection of adventures for each one that showcased the things that each one of these domains has talked about mm -hmm. because what I want now is a, what we talked about a few weeks ago, a tales from the yawning portal style book where I can say, Oh, I want to slide an adventure in here into, and, yeah. into storm King's thunder. And I want it to have this horror feel because they're up in the spine of the world. So I want to like, I want to drop that Lamordia element into here. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, we are getting something like that. Oh, okay. A couple things, actually. One of which is I'm all giddy about because it's coming from Keith Baker. Oh. And his little... Uh, oh, yes. Turning yes. turning part of Metro or all of Metro into a... Domain of Dread. Domain yeah. of Dread or a mist-touched realm yep. of some sort or whatever yeah. it is he's got cooked yeah. up. And... Maybe there is a domain that we didn't touch on in here that might. Oh well, we we don't have to bandy featured. about right that right. Well, the carnival is. Oh yeah, it says right in there. If you read enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, we we don't need to say more than that. Nope. We're getting an adventure called the Carnival Adventure, whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> and. <laughs> And we got a domain of dread called Carnival. They probably there's probably not a coincidence there. So probably not. Yeah, that's one that didn't quite make my list, but it's it's interesting. Um, yes. And then we got a bunch. So so we've got all these domains, and you use them as domains. Use them as inspiration for adventures. Use them as you know uh, side tracks for your current adventures. And then you also have this whole like shotgun approach to they're not subdomains, but Fair less, to say maybe less fleshed out. Less fleshed out, yes. Um, one of them is Seer 1313, the morning rail from Eberron. Super excited. Um, we only get this little bit, but I'm sure that's going to get expanded by someone soon. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a pirate's domain called the Sea of Sorrow um, that I think is awesome. Um, there's a lot of cool, cool pitches. Yes in in that list that I think you could turn into something really fun. Um, as yes. they are, I think they're mainly just pitches and not... You would need to do a lot of work yourself to turn this into a setting that you could play. Uh, probably. Well, yeah. it, it would depend. Like, uh, I just saw it. 
Markovia. Mm-hmm. Dr. Francis Markov is the Dark Lord. The Hallmarks are depraved science and sapient animals. Mm-hmm. The island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, some of these domains, even though they're less fleshed out, they are definitely steeped in other literature or movies or whatever have you that you it can help drive your 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 thought process to build something out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not discounting any of these. I think there's some great ideas. Oh, yeah. It's just they're chock full of ideas, um, but but not the the depth. So uh I do love I do love at the end the Travelers of the Mists, you know, they, they, they talk mm-hmm. more about the Vistani, which they've, I think they've done a very good job, uh, mm-hmm. tr- you know, trying to, to take the stigma away from from uh, what they were in the past. I like that, yeah. the different groups and the, the who's who of the Mists I love, um, like, you know, Van Richten. The the Weathermay Foxgrove twins, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Jander Sunstar, who is also from Forgotten Realms, I believe. I think he was a a vampiric sun elf or something like that. If yep. I remember correctly, high elf in this one, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, so yeah, very cool. I I love the fact that you know you because if you're going to go into a situation or into a, an adventure like this, it's almost like to me. Because they all have that same, a lot of them have that same flavor of Victorian England kind of thing. Mm-hmm. If you're going, if you're going to adventure in Victorian England, you kind of want to meet Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. You kind of want to know that there's a Jack the Ripper on the loose. You know, yeah. things of that nature. This this does that. It gives you your little, you know, your your rogues gallery so to speak of who you might meet who you can meet running around the mists mm-hmm. and, and to find help and things like that yep yep very cool i like it too um it's 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 also like um for low level parties these are a way for you to gain insight into what the domain and the mists are and it is maybe someone to aid in their fight against a Dark Lord as opposed to yes. a third-level party going up against a Dark Lord themselves or something of that nature, right? Like, Or do the classic trope of, yes, you're a third-level party and you're going up against Strahd and he's just toying with you. And just as he's getting ready to... He's, he's grown tired of you. What should happen but... Uh, Rudolph Van Richten comes running in and displays something that that holds holds the devil strad off long enough for him to collect the group and run out and save your life. So then he can give you the the info dump scene of the movie. It's like, what are you, what are you people thinking? Do you know who mm. that was? That's interesting. Yeah, I. I I think it's interesting, like, um, most of these people live in the mm-hmm. domains, too, right? Like, yeah. Van Richten lives in Mordent. Um, like, that's that's handy to know, I think, 
as a DM that there's not just evil people right. in these domains. That your party aren't alone, and that it's not going to be them against the domain, and that's the way it yeah. is. It, yeah. Um, yeah. it communicate the the this list of NPCs. I think bare minimum helps communicate that there are still pockets of good, helpful opportunities and people within these domains. I think the hardest thing for my current part, we talked about this a little bit, not on the podcast, but with my Middle Earth group, is that we've done a dungeon crawl in Middle Earth now for like 14 sessions, 15 sessions. And it's the hardest thing for them is that when you're doing a dungeon crawl to the bowels of Middle Earth, there's not a lot of allies to be found. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think is actually, your party misses that faster than you think. Oh, big time. Big time. Um, so I think it's wise of them to say, like, here's a list of people as a starting point that can be allies for you. Well, and, and I like I like what they've done with Curse of Strahd and with this book. Because when, and again, this is probably just the way it was presented to me when the Domains of Dread first came out. Mm-hmm. When Ravenloft first came out, uh, I had a DM that, oh yeah, we're going to do Ravenloft. It's like, okay, well, what's that all about? And the pitch was... You know, it's ruled by a dark vampire, uh, super powerful. There's all these other monsters that live around there. The town folk hate outsiders. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only humans that live there. Uh, so it's like, okay, then you know where do where do we come from? So we can only be humans. Well, you can you get pulled from other places. So I'm going to pull you guys from the Forgotten Realms. And everybody's going to hate you because, you know, your yeah. elves and dwarves, or they're going to make fun of you, or they're going to think that you're, you know, short people, or you're deformed, mm-hmm. or why do you have pointy ears, all this stuff. And everything in the setting doesn't want you there. Yeah. And it's like, then why, are we, do that. Then why are we playing <laughs> <Yeah>. this? <laughs> It it doesn't yeah. sound like we can win. Yeah. Well, no, doesn't sounds like nobody wants us to win. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's least, not a win to be had. Yeah. At least in Dark Sun, yeah the the setting itself wants to kill you. But you're a part of the setting. But you're a part of the setting. You're you're yeah. you know there's you know that there's good people. There's the Veiled Alliance and and all that stuff. When when Ravenloft was first first pitched to me, it was just like. This does not sound like this sounds like I'm going to just stand in front of a, a, a castle and beat my head into the wall until until I die. Which yeah. that's not fun. You know, there's some good um Moonshay stuff. It doesn't deal with Domain of Dread so much as the shadow plane of shadow. Mm-hmm. But there's some Moonshay stuff that does a good job of kind of communicating some of this. So um you might go sniffing yeah. around. I think there's a trilogy around the Sorrow Sworn. I want to say it's around. I want to say it's around Moon Nine Ten ish. But if okay. you go hunting for Sorrow Sworn and playing a shadow in the descriptors, I think you'll find it. 
Um, and it's very domain of dready. Yeah. Well, we we find out that the domains of dread are actually associated with a little corner of the Shadowfell. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it makes makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I think we've done a good job here um, with without John. So hey, hmm. um, take that for you know what it's take, worth. Yeah. Listen, you know, uh, read, read between Zach's lines what he's trying to say. Yeah, I'm saying, you know, maybe the universe has tried to tell us something. Uh, you know, it's time to time to get Andrew back on as a replacement. To... I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he, I he replaced me initially. So if you had both me and Andrew, I don't even know if we need you at that point. So. Probably not. <laughs> All you need me for is to hit the record button at that point. <laughs> no, uh, no, we need our old crew back. Hopefully. Um, very, very soon, because uh, it's been too long. Yeah. Too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks, Troy, for hanging out this week. My uh, pleasure. On your 4th of July. Um, happy uh, Independence Day to any of our dear listeners. And, uh, and, and happy 4th day of the month to those that... Uh, yeah, are international or international. don't celebrate or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. 4th day of... Uh, of Halfway through halfway through the year, right? We could yeah. say that, right? Yeah, half, happy, happy halfway mark. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, Troy, we'll see you next week. Everybody else, until next week, we'll see you next time. All right. Have a great game, everybody. And on behalf of John, be safe out there. You stop harassing the DM of you. Now, that's the other thing we talked about. I wasn't going to say anything about it. I was just, I'm no. ignoring it. No, no, no. We we would like to so propose to you, John. Oh, uh, we, no. Now the monkey suit is for Troy. Mm-hmm. For John, we want to con- you to consider uh, the possibility of us setting aside a section of our booth space for an autograph area. <laughs>